Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Nina. Thank you for what you together have both done and for the privilege you've extended to me to speak here today. Respected friends, allies, companions on this path, pioneers, I wish you a good morning on what is spiritually still the beginning of a very new day. Before some pre presenting some ideas that I have to share to offer to you, I've learned from my teachers the importance of presenting myself so that you could understand where I come from and where I stand. In this lifetime, I come from Jewish ancestry on both my mother and my father's side. My mother's family was from Germany, and they emigrated to the United States, to New York City, when Hitler was coming to power, and the extermination of the Jewish people was actually viewed in that society by some as a viable strategy for the betterment of life on Earth. My father's father emigrated to Canada from Russia, where the village where they lived in was burned to the ground. This was also because the people who lived there were also Jewish. The Jewish people historically were people whose culture and way of life, ceremonies and social movements were conducted conscientiously in harmony with the phases of the moon and the changes of the seasons on earth. The place where my mother and father settled to constitute their family was in eastern Canada in a city by the shores of the St. Lawrence River. The inhabitants originally of that land were also a people whose culture, ceremonies, and way of life were organized in respectful honoring of the natural world and the higher laws which govern life here on Earth. They were known as the Mohawk people, and I'll be speaking more about this in a moment. In my progression and personal development and study since I left my parents' home, I've encountered some valued friends who became teachers, who in presenting myself and my ideas to you today, I must speak of and honor because it's their words and their teachings to me that are in part what I have to share with you. In the order I met them, Edmund Faubert, a French-Canadian anthropologist and ceremonialist who had been working with indigenous spiritual leaders from this hemisphere for more than 40 years. It was Edmund who opened many doorways to me in my journey of discovery on the topics I want to share with you today. Among the doorways he opened was an introduction to Guadalupe de la Cruz Rios, who was a Huichol elder, and her two sisters, Manuela and Berta, who guided me 25 years ago on the first steps that I took on the path to one day possibly becoming a maracame, one who sees. Next, Chief Warren Lyons, faith keeper of the Onondaga, Bioneer's friend, as well as presenter at this year's conference, who opened the eastern door of the ceremonial longhouse to me and my friends to enter. Oren first introduced me to the teachings of the peacemaker of the Iroquois Confederacy, and also the next teacher friend I wish to acknowledge, Reuben Snake. Reuben Alva Snake, Kinkawa Unga, in addition to being one of the great Indian orators of our era, was a dedicated peyotero, peyotist, an advocate for the use of the sacred medicine peyote within the Native American church. It was with Reuben, who I first most closely worked with to bring about a change in the laws of this country. When the Supreme Court of the United States on Earth Day of 1990 determined that the provisions of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution of the United States did not protect the ceremonial use of sacred plants within its guarantees of the free exercise of religion. Plants that have been used for purposes of divination spiritual realization and healing for centuries, in some cases thousands of years before the Constitution itself was even written. 
Most importantly to me, I wish to acknowledge a man, a guide, a friend, who I did not have the privilege of knowing when he was incarnate, Jose Gabriel da Costa, but whose luminous spiritual understanding and the path that he established to assist in the spiritual development and evolution of humanity informs, inspires, and instructs to me to this day a man who was known to those closest to him as Mestre Gabriel. It was Mestre Gabriel's first disciples, whom he trained and formed as Mestres in the Amazon forest, who I first encountered 19 years ago, after his passage more than 24 years ago, and who gave me the teachings I follow today. I mention them by name because each of these friends and teachers' influences in my life is fundamentally present within the words that I'll speak to you. Raimundo Monteiro de Souza, Florencio Siqueira de Carvalho, José Luis de Oliveira, and Raimundo Carneiro Braga. Thank you for your patience in allowing me this time to acknowledge the people who taught me what I'm going to share with you today. In composing this list, I also, I realized that most of the people I was speaking of were men. I believe this is because as a man, they were my teachers and what it means to be a man, a leader, a father, a husband, a friend. It's not in any way to diminish the, the vital role that the key women have had in my life. Most importantly, I wish to acknowledge my mother Marjorie, who passed in 2012 from Alzheimer's at the age of 94. My wife Stace, who has been blessed me with her lifelong companionship and love. And Auntie Pua Mahoy, the native Hawaiian elder who consecrated Stace and my marriage to one another on the sacred island of Maui. Both of those marvelous women are here to support me today. The Mohawk people, whom I spoke of earlier, the original inhabitants of this place where I was born, are part of the Haudenosaunee, also known as the Iroquois or Six Nations Confederacy. They have a term in all of their languages which is translated to mean the words which come before all else. It is a greeting, an address to the natural world in all of its manifest forms with gratitude and thanksgiving for each element of life, beginning with the earth, the waters, the trees, the, 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 the birds that fly on the winds, the moon, the stars, the sun. It is with these words of thanksgiving that each day begins and each Congress or important meeting that occurs begins with. These words were brought to these nations, native peoples, over a thousand years ago by an enlightened teacher who came to show and teach the path of peace during a time of great conflict, bloodshed, and grief. The native peoples who receive these instructions reverently only speak of this man by name. They never speak of him by name, only by his title, the peacemaker. Within these words that come before all else is the recognition of the plant kingdom, the realm from where we draw the materials for building our shelters, nourishing our bodies with food, healing the illnesses we're subject to encountering on this earth with medicine, and even through photosynthesis, receiving the light of the sun, transforming it and releasing it as oxygen, the source of the very air that we breathe. It is in just this one, albeit primary example, of how the plant realm serves us that we can begin to see the indications of a superior consciousness, an intelligence that it designed a vast interconnected system of life where there are beings that inhale what we exhale and then from whom we inhale the life-sustaining properties that they exhale. 
This to me, if you stop and care about enough to notice it, is evidence of awe-inspiring brilliance. There's a dimension of our existence as human beings on this earth, which is, I will use a word carefully here, sacred. It is a non-material dimension of our existence filled with light, beauty, wisdom, love, and meaning. There are certain plants that came to emerge out of the earth with a mission, much like midwives, to assist in our rebirth into the spiritual world. It is this dimension, this reality of these very, very, very special plants, the truly sacred divine wisdom and spiritual power revealing plants that I wish to dedicate my remaining minutes to speaking about. I had my first experience with that I choose to speak of as revelatory communion with the sacred in a native indigenous cultural setting about 29 years ago. Every aspect of my relationship to an understanding of myself and the world around, and the world around me profoundly changed as a result of that first experience. I've received, in the years that I've followed, in the years that followed, the understanding, guidance, and wisdom I received, the transmission of spiritual knowledge, and understanding through these plant allies, these plant teachers, has blessed and nurtured me with a profound sense of gratitude and fulfillment. I stand here today before you in part to give voice to what they, in their humility, do not speak. The true meaning of the word sacrament is something that we receive in humility that can transform our nature and make us whole, holy. It is these sacred plants which are of God, of divine nature, of a divine spectrum of ever-expanding infinite healing light which can illuminate us, instruct us, and connect us in the, and correct us in the improper ways that we are living, teach us how to properly use our actions, our conscience, and the force of our word. There exists within the spiritual realm, which I assure you, for those of you who do not know this, is as real, if not more real, as the world you see manifest around you. Knowledge, healing, transformative power, creative inspiration, joy, beauty, the answers to every question. And most of all, and most importantly, love. It is from this love which comes from peace, which comes from light, endless, eternal, expansive, divine light, that the greatest hope for the deepest levels of healing on a personal and planetary level and the, our collective transformation truly resides. So one might properly ask, how did it happen that instruments that are designed by nature, which are meant to serve and assist us in our transformation and evolution, came to be criminalized, demonized, and prohibited. While the true answer to this question is part of a larger story related to our shared, shared human history that I don't have the time to properly explain today, I'll offer a brief explanation. Following what we speak of as the Second World War, Global leaders began to meet to discuss issues of global planetary concern. This led, among other things, to the creation of the United Nations and organizations with missions related to world health and the preservation of global cultures. In 1961, the first of three treaties related to drug control was adopted. 
the single convention on narcotic drugs. It was a treaty that proposed global controls on three plants and their derivatives, cannabis, the coca leaf, and poppies. Plants which were recognized as potentially having valuable medicinal qualities, but from which other substances could be derived that were seen as having the potential to cause social harm. Substances such as cocaine, opium, and heroin. In 1971, after the discovery of the hallucinogenic properties that are present in LSD, and a subsequent proliferation of other chemical compounds with psychoactive effects, the second treaty, the 1971 Convention on Psychotropic Substances was adopted and today is accepted by 183 nations on Earth. Interestingly, in its effort to put certain synthetic compounds and their derivatives under international control, certain substances that are also found in plants are listed within the treaty as well. Among these substances are mescaline, which can be found in certain cacti, popularly known as peyote and San Pedro, psilocybin, which can be found in more than 200 species of mushrooms. Paul can direct me if, correct me if there's more. And dimethyltryptamine, which is also found in numerous plant species all over the earth. In its formation, the drafters of this convention significantly recognized that these plants had been used for centuries, in some cases for thousands of years, in magical and religious rites, and determined that such use required, quote, cultural sensitivity and tolerance by the world's governments. We today are grateful for the recognition of the drafters of this treaty had at that time, because in truth, these plants are treasures left here on earth by the same divine intelligence, the divine architect that brought into being this world within which we live. Left here by intelligent design as doorways of increased perception, whereby we could further develop our consciousness, our ethics, and our understanding of how to live properly on this earth. In truth, the use of the plants for spiritual and religious purposes, religion, coming from the word religari, which means to reconnect or reunite, has a long and meaningful history in the story of human evolution. There are clear indications that certain essential evolutionary shifts have occurred with their use. I cite as documented examples the evolution of ancient Eastern religious traditions from the use of a plant decoction called soma, whose scriptural references go back more than 3,000 years, and the development of democracy in ancient Greece, where a plant sacrament was used for more than 1,000 years by luminaries such as Aristotle, Pythagoras, and Plato. The great Mayan and Inca empires of this hemisphere were inspired within the use of plant sacraments as well. In recognition of the responsibility that I have for the things that I'm saying, I must assert that these plants hold great power and as such must be utilized responsibly and properly. They can be, as I've also encountered over these many years and sadly often are, abused by people who use them without, without proper guidance instruction, or understanding. By used improperly, I mean used without respect for their sacred nature, or for the acquisition of personal power, spiritual power over other people, or financial gain in ways that could be corrupting. There's a word that came to me after I awakened from a dream 
At the beginning of this week, after praying as I drifted off to sleep, asking for help and knowing what to say, what to present to you today. And that word is vital. The word vital has several meanings, a few of which I'd like to affirm or list. The word vital means of or pertaining to life. Having remarkable energy, liveliness, or force. And it also means necessary to the existence, well-being, or truth of something such as a vital organ in our body. In this sense and meaning of the word, I offer from this stage, on the 25th birthday of Vioneers, that these sacred plants are vital to our present and future health, vital to our present and future well-being, and I sincerely believe and offer your consideration vital to our future collective survival. When I first began discussing the possibility of speaking at this year's event, I spoke to Kenny about how my telling a little bit of my story could possibly serve the larger movement. In our conversation, I was reminded of another conversation I had with him 20 years before. At that time, I was beginning to explore the engagement with the ritual use of sacred plants that became and remains the central element of my personal spiritual practice, the inspiration for my work. At that time, among other things, I was an environmental activist, and Kenny expressed some concern that my foray into religious practice, that I could follow to, into the religious practice that I follow to this day, could take me into some kind of narcissism or disengagement from the world, from the true healing of the world that needed so much and that I needed so much to be part of. I've done my best to remain true to the explanation and the commitment that I made to him that day. I said to him, the work of transforming the social systems and relationships that collectively define the kind of footprint or track that we are together leaving on this earth is ultimately a work of consciousness. And, now, and I've not yet seen anything that can more powerfully develop our conscious awareness of our place before the great mystery of life, of divine nature, than the opening our consciousness to the instructive and transforming influence of these sacred plants. <laughs> 21 years later, I'm even more of the conviction of this conviction than I was then. I believe that these plants are what Paul Stamets alluded to in his talk yesterday, of our need for the tools of understanding the mind of nature, the language that nature speaks. I see these plants as our interpreters between the infinite, magnificent, glorious divine realm and the limited realm that we are awakening to discover ourselves within. The caution that I must give to those who would be inspired by my words and invitation is to look for a path that inspires engagement with the world, with life, not a retreat from it. The recognition that this dimension we find ourselves in and the living systems that sustain it are sacred is fundamental to what the Buddha, the enlightened one, spoke of as being right action, right livelihood. It's only from the recognition of what I will speak of today as the superior power, the superior consciousness, the superior light within which, whose imagination all of this has come into being that we can truly serve 
and find our way to be of service. I do not advocate, as it occurred in the 60s, for people to tune in and drop out, but rather to tune in to the wisdom and realms of consciousness, of understanding, of luminosity that are provided by these sacred plants and engage even more deeply with more love, more heart, more spirit, and more understanding than ever before. As the saying goes, we're the ones that we've been waiting for. As you go about the remainder of your time here at Bioneers, over this weekend, I encourage you to look around and see yourself in the sparkle in the eyes looking back at you. We are of one origin, one light, one love, one truth, one peace. May we find our way back home in light, peace, and love together. With the help of those sacred plants and the true guides who know how to use them, we can and we will. Thank you.